All right, as the ushers pass the offering plate, I have a couple guys. They're going to set something up for me uh, on the platform, but I want to take a moment, and I don't actually, rarely will I actually greet someone by name, and some of you guys are thinking, Pastor, don't greet me. Um, I will tell you that when I was a teenager at the age of about 15 to 17, um, there was one individual in the state of Virginia that went out of the way to minister to me. And in many ways becomes the most significant person, me ending up at Southern Wesleyan University and then in ministry down the road. And it is a blessing to have Ricardo Rodriguez and his wife with us this morning from Virginia. They did not tell me they were coming, but as soon as they came in, even though it's been years since I've seen Ricardo, I knew it was him. So I'm so glad you guys are here with us today. There are other people who have played a significant role too, but they're not here today, so we're going to talk about him. So, Actually, we're not going to talk about him. Now, some of you guys, as you saw the guys setting all these boxes out on the table for me, some of you guys are thinking, oh great, pastor's going to do a sermon on tithing. I have used uh, these boxes previously uh, to represent different finances, uh, different aspects of finances. Typically, I'll do it with, uh, with four different colored boxes. Uh, there are red boxes that deal with the financial debt that many of us carry. Uh, there are green boxes that deal with savings, gold boxes that deal with uh, what we give back to God, and then the blue boxes, which represent what we spend our money on. Well, let me just ease your fears. I'm not preaching about tithing today. Uh, instead, we are going to do a little bit of talking specifically about stewardship, specifically with using the gifts that God has given. We're going to talk about finances, but in doing so, our focus is really on the issue of greed that often takes place uh, within uh, even those who are considered a part of the body of Christ. Let me begin this morning by explaining the title of this series. As you see in your bulletin, uh, it's entitled, Look to the Stars. Last week, I started a new series, and as a part of that, I never really got around to explaining what the title of the series is really about, Look to the Stars. To begin with, we need to understand that it is all about a journey. In our case, it's clear that we are all, all of us, are works in progress. We're all at very different stages in our journey. Some of us have been on that journey for a very, very long time. Some are nearing the finish line. Others are just now hearing the gun go off to start the race. But for each of us, it is a journey. I heard someone say recently that they don't like going to church because there are so many hypocrites and ungodly people there. Well, I am almost hesitant to tell you, but they are right. But when we understand that every one of us is a work in progress, it becomes a little easier to handle those hypocrites and ungodly people. We are all on a journey, and some of us may have a little bit further to go, but we're all on the same journey. Well, in Abraham's case... He was on a journey to become a great nation. And in order for that to happen, some very important things would have to take place. you got to figure, as I mentioned last week, Abraham was in many ways just an ordinary man. He had to learn. He had to grow. And of course, his wife would eventually have to bear children if he were going to have descendants that would make a great nation. Well, in Hebrews 11.9, the writer is talking about the faith of Abraham. 
and he notes that God fulfills his promise to make Abraham into a great nation. It says that his descendants have become so plentiful and numerous that they have become like the stars in the sky, impossible to count them all. In Abraham's case, he was always looking toward the stars, looking toward the promise that God had given him. Everything was directing him to God's blessing and his faithfulness. And the same should be true for us. We look to the stars. We look forward to God's promise of eternity with him being fulfilled. We look forward to God's faithfulness being revealed as he comes back to take his children to be where he is. But until that happens, we are still on that journey. And that journey will include some really important life lessons. Some of them will be easy, the ones that we love, when everything seems to be falling into place and all we can do is simply say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for being there with me. Thank you for providing for me. But some will not be so easy. It will include some moments of immaturity on our part, but it will also be something that we will hopefully learn from. Let's look a little bit at the journey of Abraham, especially as he dealt with an issue of greed. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and we'll also put it on the screen behind me just to kind of help you. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, obviously that's at the very beginning of your Bibles. Genesis 13, verses 1 and 2, and I'll be reading from the New International Version this morning. It says this, So Abram, remember it was Abram because his name is not yet changed to Abraham. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. Now, I'm of the belief that everything that you find in Scripture is there for a reason. There is nothing at all that is in there that is just coincidence. It wasn't as if God was trying to fill up enough pages to be able to call it an official book. I know that uh, I was talking with uh, Keith Drury, who does a lot of the writing. He's actually written, I think, over 70 books. He was telling me that at times he has presented a manuscript to be published, and he's been told, you need to put more in it. And often what he would do is he would simply put fluff in the books. And you know what I mean by fluff, stuff that it really didn't carry a lot of weight, but the publisher simply needed a little more writing. That's not the way Scripture works. Actually, in Scripture, what we see is everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. And if this is true, then this second verse has incredible value to us. It wasn't just a random piece of information. This was important to Abraham's journey as he looked to the stars. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. You know, wealth is a very good thing. You probably did not need me to tell you that. At least it can be a good thing. It enables us to do things that we might not be able to do without it. It enables us to invest in other people. It enables us to be generous toward various causes, things that are important to us. And in some ways, it can even become somewhat of a security blanket in a troubled world. 
But one of the mistakes that often occurs in our reasoning is found in the idea that if only I had more money, then I would be better off. Obviously, I told you what these boxes typically represent. They typically represent the things that we would spend everything on. What's funny to me is that often we would have been okay, we would have been satisfied, and all of our needs were being met when we only had five boxes, when we only had a smaller portion of our income. What happens is we're content with what we have, but as we get more, often it just means we spend more. And the next thing you know, even though we were content with only five boxes, or about half of what we make now, eventually we reach a point where not even the 10 boxes is enough. In Abraham's case, I want you to think for a moment, when he left Haran, when he left his family, he was already a fairly wealthy man. This was a man who he had servants who worked with him. He had livestock that was with him already. He had money, he had gold, he had silver, he had to trade with the people. How would he trade with those he came in contact with? God had already blessed him with a great deal. But here as he's been journeying, he no longer just has the five boxes. He no longer just has that small amount of wealth. He has become very wealthy. He has plenty of livestock, plenty of silver, plenty of gold. What often happens is no matter how much income we have, we always need just a little bit more. Often the wealthiest people in the world can be the most miserable people in the world, and it's because they simply are not content with whatever they do have. Oh, there are exceptions. I was doing some reading this week, and I found a a little uh, biographical information on Warren Buffett. He's probably one of the most familiar names when we talk about those who have, have great wealth. Warren Buffett still lives in the same house that he had built in 1958. Never upsized, never decided that he needed to do anything extra with the financial resources to better his position. Sure, he's wealthy, and he's probably very grateful for the wealth But the reality is he has found contentment in what he already has. The founder of Ikea, a man of great wealth, still rides the bus to work every single day. You look and you think, why? You've got all that money. You've got all those things in your life. Don't you want to better your position? Aren't you going to make good use of what you have? The problem is... It's never enough. I always need just a little bit more. I have to have it. Well, I share all that with you because within the story of Abraham and what we see here in Genesis is a story of greed. And Maybe we haven't really looked at it as such before, but this is a story of greed. In Abraham's case, Life didn't get better because of the fact that he had established more or had received more wealth. Instead, it becomes more stressful. Look at verse 5 through the first part of verse 7 from our passage today and consider the downside of Abraham's prosperity. 
says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. As Abraham began his journey from Haran, he did so not just with the comfort of wealth. He left with the comfort of family. Now I imagine there was an element of distance where he felt like he had left everything behind. He leaves his mom, his dad. He leaves the familiar place that he called home behind. But as he leaves, he brings Lot with him. Lot is his nephew. Many theologians believe that the odds of him following, the fact that Lot followed Abraham, it is likely that he may have even viewed Abraham as somewhat of a father figure. So you have Lot and Abraham, and there had to be times that for Abraham, it was a comfort to be able to look and see Lot with him. There was a familiar face, somebody that he knew. Even if everybody else spoke in a different tongue, he knew Lot, and he could relate with him and could connect to him. Nobody's sure exactly how long these two had journeyed together before this conflict arises. But it would seem that during that time, the prosperity bug caught up with both individuals. Abram has already been noted as a man of great wealth. And now we see that Lot also had many flocks, herds, and tents. In other words, he too had great wealth. In fact, it would seem that their combined wealth was too great for the land to be able to manage both of them. Something had to be done to accommodate these two. You know, in many ways, wealth can be a great enabler. It really can enable us to do things that seem impossible before. But wealth can also become a huge stumbling blocks to our relationships. In Abraham and Lot's case, it became a cause for division. It begins with others. Their herders seem to be fighting over land and water. There's nothing dishonest about what's happening. And this just seems like a justifiable dispute. Something that maybe we would say is unavoidable. But really, was it unavoidable? Consider the change that has taken place. Abraham and Lot, they left Haran together. They were family. You never betray family. They loved each other enough that one was willing to follow the other to an unknown destination. God did not speak to Lot. We have not heard anywhere in the scriptures where God spoke to Lot and told him, you should follow Abraham. But rather, God spoke to Abraham, you go to the place where I will show you. And Lot simply trusted Abraham enough to follow. Seems to me they probably had a great relationship. But something has happened. Now they have some wealth already and while they were looking forward to more wealth, all of their needs seem to have been being met. Now their wealth has become great. Yet they can't even stay together anymore because they simply have too much wealth. Now, we may try to justify what has taken place, but this is actually called greed. You say, but pastor, they were just trying to be successful. They wanted to take care of their family. 
They wanted to have a little more money, but in the process, they've lost family. I've seen this thing happen in families today. Of course, it's not unusual to see this happen. Usually it's not with an uncle and a nephew. It's usually a husband and his family. I'm talking about families who started out seeking the Lord together, but in the pursuit of better financial position, they sacrificed vital time with their family. And although they became more comfortable financially, husbands and wives drifted apart from one another. Dads missed out on their children's most important events. And often families stopped going to church together or even at all. The pursuit of wealth has cost their family. I do wonder, what has the pursuit of wealth and prosperity cost you? I would imagine that Abraham and Lot didn't even realize there was a problem until things began to flare up, to explode on them. Perhaps some of us have never really thought about the cost of wealth. Don't get me wrong. I want all of you to be successful. I want you to be wealthy. I want every one of you to be a millionaire. I told you my message is not about tithing, but if you all become millionaires, we're good. I want you to be successful. I want you to be wealthy. But not at the sacrifice of your family. The most important thing that you have is the family that God has blessed you with. Aside from our relationship with him, the most important thing you have is the family that God has blessed you with. Allow that to be a priority for you in your life. Dads, are you missing out on the formative years of your children? Are your kids going to that recital without you? I'll tell you, I'm not a recital guy. I don't even enjoy going to the concerts that they do at school, except when my kids are there. As a dad, I need to be there, and you need to be there for your family as well. Are your kids learning to do things from your neighbors? Who's teaching your kids to play ball? You say, well, I'm not good at baseball. Okay, maybe your neighbor should help you teach them with that. But legitimately, are you there for your family? Husbands and wives, are you losing that intimacy that you once shared? It's nice that your house has gotten larger or your bank account seems more secure. But really, is it worth it? I know that there are a lot of other factors that can come into play. But when was the last time that you just spent time with you and your spouse just enjoying each other? The cost of greed goes beyond family relationships. In Abraham's case, we see that it led to a moral dilemma. Abraham proposes a solution to Lot. The quarreling has taken place, and instead of fighting, they'll simply part ways. And Abraham even puts the ball in Lot's court. He says, you choose which way you want to go. Look at it with me in verse 10. It says, Lot looked around and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Of course, the rest of the passage indicates that Abram ends up in the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had already told him in last week's lesson. He had already told him one day, this would be your home. And we read later in chapter 14 that Lot ends up among the people of Sodom, which is actually destroyed four chapters later. Now, I hate to blame Abraham for Lot's choices, for the situation that he ends up in. Certainly, Lot was responsible for his own decisions. In fact, Abraham even gave him the chance to choose. But I do wonder how different things might have turned out if Lot and Abram had only been able to work through the issue of greed. Consider the fact that God's hand of blessing had been upon Abram all along the way. He would have occasion where he would interact with people from Sodom, but he never wanted to be in any way connected with them. The reason was because they were an ungodly nation. And if he were going to be the one who would carry God's promise, if he were going to be the one who would receive God's blessing, then he had no business living among a people like the Sodomites. Imagine how things might have been different if Lot and Abraham could have worked things out together. Imagine how different it would have been for Lot. Lot becomes so entrenched in the life of those in Sodom that when the time comes for him to flee, his daughters come with him. His wife comes with him part of the way. His daughters were both engaged to be married, promised to be married, but they would not leave. The daughters come, but the men they were supposed to be with would not. The wife was told, do not look back. You continue to move forward. Get out of here as fast as you can. Whatever you do, don't look back, because if you do, you'll be destroyed. And that's exactly what happens to Lot's wife. I wonder how things might have been different if only Lot and Abraham had found a way to work through this issue of greed. Instead, it becomes a stumbling block And as a result, Lot pays the price. What is the cost of your greed? I know not everybody here is greedy, so don't take that as me pointing to you and calling you out and saying you're greedy. But if you are struggling with greed, what is the cost? Maybe it's not a relationship that's broken, but maybe you've had to make moral sacrifices. Somewhere along the way, it became more important to win as opposed to actually Having integrity. If in order to achieve great success and wealth, you must compromise your integrity, then something is wrong. We must be men and women of integrity who honor the name of Jesus Christ in all that we say and do. And as we do, by the way, our family will be provided for. They will be taken care of. God's hand of blessing will be upon them. Often we are more willing to do things that we know are foolish simply because it may actually bring us some success. But we must make sure that the one we are seeking to 
find success in is Christ Jesus. You guys know my favorite book of scripture is the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, in chapter 1, Joshua is told on a total of four times to be strong and courageous. On one occasion, he is told to be very strong and courageous. That is the one time that he is told specifically that he is to keep the law of God, to neither turn to the right nor the left, but to stay faithful to keep the law that God had given. What he's being called to do is to be a man of integrity. By the way, this call comes with a promise. At the end of it, this is in verse 7, at the end of this call, God says to him, Then you will be prosperous in everything that you do. Then you will succeed. We have used money as our definition as to whether or not we are successful. But sometimes God measures by a different standard. I pray that God would grant you success, but I pray that that it is a success that costs you nothing other than your character. You be that man of character that God has asked for. You be that man or that woman of God who would model before the rest of the world, this is what's important to me. You be the man and the woman God called you to be. And as you do, God will bless you with more than you could ever imagine. What is most valuable to you today? What I assure you is that God desires to bless you, but not at the sacrifice of your family nor your integrity. Jesus poses a question in Mark 8, 36. He says, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world yet lose his own soul? And the answer is absolutely nothing. We lose when that takes place. I want to challenge you as a church today, as you look to the stars, maybe your issue is not greed, maybe it is. As you look to the promise that God has given to you, that he has promised you a hope and a future to know that he will grant you greater blessing than you could ever imagine. As you look to the fulfillment of his promise, maybe you need to deal with an issue. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's an issue of integrity. Maybe you need to take care of your family differently. Now is the time to do it because the blessing of God is something that he wants to give, but he will not do until, or he does not promise to do until we choose to live in a way that honors him. You know what your needs are today. You know your family situation. You know your financial situation. What will you do as you press on As you look to the stars, will you allow God to bless you or will you be the stumbling block to keep that from happening? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we are so grateful for the many blessings that you pour out on us. Sometimes, Lord, those blessings become stumbling blocks. And at times we have perhaps allowed them to get in the way of what you desire to do in us. We become so dependent on these things. We become so focused on getting more of them as opposed to truly enjoying the real blessing that you have given. 
Lord, I pray today that if greed be a stumbling block in our lives, that right now you would remove it. Help us to truly appreciate the blessings and the benefits that have been given. But Lord, help us to keep those things in their proper place. Lord, I pray for our families today. I pray for the husband and the wife that that become so focused on their careers, on their financial conditions, on certain goals that they may have. Somewhere along the way, they forgot about each other. Lord, I pray that you would restore relationships that are broken and defeated. Lord, I pray that you would give hope where it seems completely hopeless. Lord, I pray today for the father, the mother, who has become disconnected from their children. Lord, I pray that you would give them such a desire to be there that they would maybe even remember back to those days when they were children. And they longed so much to have a relationship with a mother and a father who loved them and simply enjoyed being with them. Allow them to renew that with their children. Lord, I pray for the integrity of every individual who is here. Lord, I pray that we would be people that would never compromise, giving in to things that do not belong in our lives, but rather choosing to be faithful to become the men and women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for your blessing. But allow it to be because we choose to be faithful just as you have been faithful. Lord, I pray today that more than anything, we would keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We would never allow other things to get in the way. Help us to simply seek you. And as we do, Lord, we believe that all these other things will be taken care of. We praise you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I would encourage you and challenge you. I didn't have an altar call. didn't have people raise their hands. But you know if there is a need that is present in your life today. You know that right now some of us have been so focused on the financial struggles And we just want to make sure we have enough. Put it in God's hands. Many of us have neglected our families. It's time to restore the family to what it's supposed to be. You allow God to have his way in your family. Some of us, we've even compromised in integrity. Confess. Ask God to forgive and to make things right. He will. I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but I do challenge you to make that decision. It's between you and him today. You make that call. I do thank you guys for being with us this morning. And again, it is such a blessing to have you all with us, uh, to know that God is still calling people. It's Memorial Day. If you would, find a soldier somewhere today and thank them for their service. I know Memorial Day is about those who have given their life, who have died in service. We can't thank them because they have already gone. Find someone who is still alive who has served and express your appreciation to them today. Thank you for being with us. Go in peace.